his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Every single day, reality calls, and the Biden administration just hangs up. I don't care what corporate media outlets say. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Mark Reardon. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? All I ask is that you're a woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, that particular open is very apropos for this Thursday afternoon. And I'm a little sad because I have a very lonely studio. Sue is out for a few days. Fred, however, is back this afternoon, so that's good news. He's been off. How about uh, Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? Abby got sick, so now it's just me, and Trisha, unfortunately, got uh, stuck with me today, so she's helping me out with the show, but I want to get right into something. I was up early this morning, and this is a stunning story, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm, I'm hoping that it results in finally some positive movement on stopping this crazy trans movement that's out there. And I see this story early this morning, and and then it goes, I blasted it out probably around 6.30 on Twitter, and then Barry Weiss picks it up, right? And Abigail Schreier, who's written about this particular issue, um, other people nationally, hotair.com picks it up, right? Now, my prediction at first was that the Post and the local media will not cover it. My friends down the hall at KMOX put a couple of lines in the story. I think they can do a little bit more than that. And shock of all shocks, the Post-Dispatch actually just ran with this. I just tweeted it out. You can always follow me on Twitter, at Mark Reardon KFTK. But I have to get to what Jamie Reed has written in this particular piece that is in the free press. And as a companion piece here, there's a guy by the name of Chris Elston. I actually think this is where I saw the story first. He's known as Billboard Chris on Twitter. He's traveling this country taking a stand against this nonsense gender ideology. He's in Oklahoma today. They've had a big, big controversy in the uh, Capitol there, and he's going to comment on this case. But let me get right into it because this is very detailed, and I would recommend those of you interested in this, you um, you get this story. Now, you might meet me to paywall if you go to the Free Press's site because uh, it was starting to do that to me today, but we were able to grab the story for, first before that happened. So this is a woman, Jamie Reed, who in the headline of the story in this, the freepress.com, actually it's thefp.com, uh, the headline is, I thought I was saving trans kids, now I'm blowing the whistle. I'm a 42-year-old St. Louis native, queer woman, and politically to the left of Bernie Sanders, okay? 
My worldview has deeply shaped my career. I have spent my professional life providing counseling to vulnerable populations, children in foster care, sexual minorities, the poor. For almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who were HIV positive. Many of them were trans or otherwise gender nonconforming, and I could relate, she writes. Through childhood and adolescence, I did a lot of gender questioning myself. I'm now married to a trans man, and together we are raising two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. And now I have... I have to take a little sip of Diet Coke because and this always happens when I have a lonely studio. I can feel like a little coughing spell coming on. All that led me to a job in 2018 as the case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, which had been established a year earlier. The center's working assumption was that the earlier you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the more anguish you can prevent later on. This premise was shared by the center's doctors and therapists. Given their expertise, Jamie writes, I assume that abundant evidence backed this consensus. Well, she was wrong. And she writes, during the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight. Around a thousand distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can have life-altering consequences. Now, she says, I left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. This was just this past November. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. And she admits, going public here, is potentially not a great thing to do. She says, I'm doing so, I'm speaking out, knowing how toxic the public conversation around this is. Almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what's happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort. And she starts outlining what happened there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as you hear the details, and I would suggest that this is more than just PG-13 rated, some of the uh, topics. So if you or picking up the kids at school. Uh, well, you know, if they're old enough, maybe they should hear this. Uh, if, if the folks at Wash U, and they have not responded, and Children's Hospital are not forced by our local and national media, forced to respond to this and answer serious questions, then we have reached a new level of media malpractice in this country. And I'm expecting that that will not happen. The Post did a story because Hawley complained about this, he says he's announcing an investigation, but we'll see how much follow-up there is because this is a major blockbuster of a story that has now blown up nationally, bigly. She says, soon after my arrival at the Transgender Center, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. At first, the patient, this is interesting too, when you hear the numbers here, and, and I think most of you, if you're paying attention to this issue, you understand what's happening here and how this is a social contagion. At first, the patient population was tipped toward what used to be the traditional, she puts that in quote, instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy, often quite young, who wanted to present as who wanted to be a girl. Until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Then across the Western world, there began to be a dramatic increase in a new population, 
teenage girls, many with no previous history of gender distress, suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone. Jamie says, I saw this at the center. One of my jobs was to do intake for new patients and their families. When I started there, there were probably 10 calls a month. When I left, there were 50, and about 70% of the new patients were girls. Sometimes clusters of girls arrive from the same high school. Now, that confirms what we've heard from people in classrooms, that you have a cluster of girls that like to change their pronouns, and then parents are confused. Uh, What the hell is going on? Now, she says this concerned me. I didn't feel I was in a position to sound the alarm. There was a team of about eight of us. Only one other person brought up the kinds of questions I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called a transphobe. The girls who came to us had many comorbidities. She says depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity. Many were diagnosed with autism or had autism-like symptoms. A report last year on a British pediatric transgender center found that about one-third of the patients referred there were on the autism spectrum. I did not know that. That's, that's new information. Frequently, Jamie writes, our patients declared they had disorder that no one believed they had. We had patients who said they had Tourette's syndrome, but they didn't. They had tic disorders, but they didn't. That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. Those are her, her words, not mine. Her words. She writes this. The doctors privately recognize these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of a social contagion because that's what it is they even acknowledge that suicide has an element of social contagion but when i said clusters of girls streaming into our service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion the doctors at wash u and children's hospital said gender identity reflected something innate even at birth Even in the womb, I've heard in the last couple of days from some of the gender experts. This is where we are right now. To begin transitioning, the girls needed a letter of support from a therapist, usually one we recommended, who only had to see the girls once or twice for the green light. To make it more efficient for the therapist, we offered them a template for how to write a letter in support of transition. The next stop was a single visit to the uh, endocrinologist for testosterone prescription. That's all it took. That's all it took. When a female takes testosterone, Jamie wrote, the profound and permanent effects of the hormone can be seen in a matter of months. Voices drop, beards sprout, body fat is redistributed, sexual interest explodes, aggression increases, mood can be unpredictable. Our patients were told about some of the side effects, including sterility. But after working at the center, I came to believe that the teenagers are simply not capable of fully grasping what it means to make the decision to become infertile while still a minor. Go figure. Isn't that weird that they wouldn't have the ability to do that? So she goes into, um, she's got emails, by the way. She documented a lot of this stuff. So there's, there's an email where she is concerned because somebody emailed her about a 15-year-old male patient. Oh, dear. I'm concerned that this patient does not understand what bicalumatide does. I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a physician. I'm going to assume that I pronounced that right. I probably didn't. But it's a medication used to treat Metastatic, metastatic prostate cancer. I'm not good at some of these medical terms. Ladies and gentlemen, just forgive me. Prostate cancer. I should just skip the, uh, the words I can't pronounce. And one of its side effects is that it feminizes the bodies of the men who take it, including the appearance of breasts. Now, the center prescribed this cancer drug as a puberty blocker and a feminizing agent for boys. As with most cancer drugs, there's a lot of side effects. And this patient experienced one of them, liver toxicity. He was sent to another unit of the hospital for evaluation, immediately taken off the drug. Afterward, his mother 
sent an electronic message to the transgender center saying that they were lucky her family was not the type to sue. Bad decision on the family's part. I would have sued for a lot. How little patients, Jamie wrote, understood what they were getting to was illustrated by a call we received at the center in 2020 from a 17-year-old biological female patient who was on testosterone. She said she was bleeding from the vagina. In less than an hour, she had soaked through an extra heavy pad, her jeans and a towel that she had wrapped around her waist. The nurse at the center told her to go to the ER right away. We found out later this girl had had intercourse. And because testosterone thins the vaginal tissues, her vaginal canal had ripped open. I do apologize because this is pretty graphic, but it is what it is at this point. She had to be sedated and given surgery to repair the damage. She wasn't the only vaginal laceration case we heard about. Other girls were disturbed by the effects of testosterone on their clitoris, which enlarges and grows into what looks like a microphallus or a tiny penis. Jamie Reed says, I counseled one patient whose enlarged clitoris now extended below her vulva, and it chafed and rubbed painfully in her jeans. This is the moment where the host is very glad Sue is not in the room to have to hear all this, but you, you are. Uh, I advised her to get the kind of compression undergarments worn by biological men who dress to pass as a female. In the end of the call, I thought to myself, "Why? wow, we hurt this kid. Uh, now, she says this. She says there are rare conditions where babies are born with atypical genitalia that calls for sophisticated care and compassion. But clinics like the one where I worked here in St. Louis at Wash U and Children's Hospital, Jamie Reed wrote, are creating a whole cohort of kids with atypical genitals. And most of these teens haven't even had sex yet. They had no idea who they were going to be as adults, yet all it took for them to permanently, permanently transform themselves was one or two short conversations with a therapist. She says sometimes the parents' understanding of what they had agreed to came forcefully, like this mother, who wrote, please be advised, I'm revoking my consent for this course of medical treatment. Grades have dropped. There's been an inpatient behavioral health visit, and now he's on five different medications, Lexapro, Trazodone, Boostpar, etc. He's a shell of his former self, riddled with anxiety. Who knows if it's because of the hormone blockers or the other medications. I revoke my consent. I want the hormone blocker removed. Thank you. Besides teenage girls, another new group was referred to as young people from the inpatient psychiatric unit or the emergency department of St. Louis Children's Hospital. The mental health of these kids was deeply concerning. There were diagnoses like schizophrenia, PTSD, bipolar disorder, and more. Often they were already on a fistful of pharmaceuticals. This was tragic but unsurprising given the profound trauma some had been through. Now this part here is, I'm just going to tell you, is bizarre. But I'm going to read it to you because she gets into stuff that is crazy wacky. Some weeks, she says, it felt like almost our entire caseload was nothing but disturbed young people. For example, one teenager came to us in the summer of 2022. That was last year, for those of you keeping track, when he was 17 years old, living in a lockdown facility because he had been sexually abusing dogs. He had an awful childhood. His mother was a drug addict. His father was imprisoned. He grew up in foster care. Whatever treatment he may have been getting, it wasn't working. She writes, during our intake, I learned from another caseworker that, caseworker rather, that when he got out, he planned to reoffend because he believed the dogs had willingly submitted. But somewhere along the way, he expressed a desire to become female. So he ended up at Wash U and Children's Hospital. 
From there, he went to a psychologist at the hospital who was known to approve virtually everyone seeking transition. That's great, right? Tell me this does not or shouldn't involve the attorney general and law enforcement. This, if it's not criminal, it should be. She writes, then our doctor recommended feminizing hormones. At the time, I wondered if this was being done as a form of chemical castration. That same thought came up with another case. This was in the spring of last year. concerned a young man who had intense obsessive compulsive order that manifested as a desire to cut off his penis after he masturbated. This patient expressed no gender dysphoria, but he got hormones. I asked the doctor what protocol he was following. Never got a straight answer. Now, I'm not reading this whole thing because it's really, really long, and she highlights a lot of different things in here that need to be highlighted. Um, Let me skip ahead here just a little bit. She goes, my concerns about what was going on at the center started to overtake my life. By the spring of 2020, I felt a medical and moral obligation to do something, so I spoke up in the office, sent plenty of emails, many of which she is documenting in this piece. Here's one example. January 6th last year, 2022, I received an email from a staff therapist asking me, for help with a case of a 16-year-old transgender male living in another state. Parents are open to having patients see a therapist, but are not supportive of gender, and patient does not want parents to be aware of gender identity. I'm having a challenging time finding a gender-affirming therapist. So Jamie Reed replies, I do not ethically agree with linking a minor patient to a therapist who would be gender-affirming with gender as a focus of their work without that being discussed with the parents and the parent agreeing to that kind of care. That seems to make sense, too, right? So, and she documents all this stuff, by the way. There's emails and the email proof, okay? In all my years at Washington University School of Medicine, she says, I received solidly positive performance reviews, but in 2021, that changed. I got a below-average mark for my, quote, judgment and, quote, working relationships, cooperative spirit. Although I was described as responsible, conscientious, hardworking, and productive, the evaluation noted, at times, Jamie, Jamie responds poorly to direction from management with defensiveness and hostility. Now, look, I, some of this stuff, I'm always open to another side of the story. Who knows if she was a difficult person at work? At this point, I, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't because there's there's so much in here that needs to be exposed. And when she says at one point she came across comments from Dr. Rachel Levine, of course, who's the DHS um, official, not secretary, but high-ranking official at DHS, Rachel Levine from Pennsylvania, trans. The article read, Levine, the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health, said that clinics are proceeding carefully, that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. <laughs> well, that's not true. And Jamie says, I felt stunned and sickened. It wasn't true. And I know from deep firsthand experience. So I started writing down everything I could about my experience at the Transgender Center. Two weeks ago, I brought my concerns and documents to the attention of Missouri's attorney general. He is a Republican. I am a progressive. But the safety of children should not be a matter for our culture wars. And some of the stats in here should scream very loudly that we have a problem in this country. And for those parents out there, and I'm expecting they're not listening to this show right now, who have put their kids through this because you're a progressive and you think it's the right thing to do and it's going to help them, you've mutilated them. And it's child abuse. And you should probably go to prison, although you won't. In the past 15 years, the U.S. has gone from having no pediatric gender clinics to more than 100 A thorough analysis should be undertaken to find out what has been done to their patients and why. There's a clear path for us to follow. 
We covered this, by the way. Just last year, England shut down the Tavistock Center, the only youth gender clinic in the country, after an investigation revealed shoddy practices and poor patient treatment. Sweden and Finland, too, have investigated pediatric transition and greatly curbed the practice. Some critics describe the treatment offered at places like the Transgender Center at Wash U, where I worked as a kind of national experiment, but that's wrong. Experiments are supposed to be carefully designed. Hypotheses are supposed to be tested ethically. The doctors I worked alongside at the Transgender Center that frequently said frequently about the treatment of our patients, we are building the plane while we are flying it. And Jamie Reed says... No child should be a passenger on that kind of aircraft. That is a stunning story. We'll see how much follow-up it gets. Uh, shame on Wash U. And, hey, how about some response, Wash U? When the Post did this story, and they posted it a little earlier this afternoon, Andrew Bailey, the AG, had not weighed in, and Wash U had not weighed in. You know why? Because they don't know what to say right now. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast why why if you have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users Why? why Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, well, I'm all way behind here this afternoon. I have to profusely apologize to my, uh, my next guest here, Emma Waters, who is on the line. But let me, as we get into her segment here, play you a little bit of what the president said the other night on this topic, because this is what we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Let's also pass the Bipartisan Equality Act. To ensure LGBTQ Americans, especially transgender young people, can live with safety and dignity. 
our strength. Our strength is not just the example of our power, but the power of our example. Let's remember the world's watching. All right. Yeah, the world's watching. Um, and they're embarrassed for us, I think. But let's welcome Emma Waters, who is a scholar at Heritage, into the fray this afternoon. Really, I'm sorry. We had a bit of a breaking story here on some of this gender stuff that's been going around from Wash U, Emma. And I covered that extensively at the beginning of the show. So many apologies. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm so glad to hear you're covering the Washington story. That's one of the best things we've had happen all week, to say the least. I would say so. And, you know, now what we're trying to police here in St. Louis is whether or not some of these questions, you know, I'm shocked because I just tweeted this out. Our local paper actually did a story on this. Now, I think mainly they did a story because Senator Hawley got involved and issued a statement, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see. WashU has not replied yet to this uh, whistleblower, and we'll see if there are questions that are asked by our local media because my sense is that there won't be. But that is a it's a huge story. And, you know, the positive is maybe finally this leads to some investigations and some of this stopping. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I would be surprised, especially with Utah's bill that's just passed. I think we have seven bills now that have been passed on the state level that ban or at least largely prohibit the use of gender transition surgeries or um, cross sex hormones. And there's four other states that have already pre-filed, including Georgia today, that actually just filed another one. So given the amount of energy and interest on the state level, I would be shocked if this didn't turn um, yeah, into a lawsuit, into an investigation. Yeah. Um, if anything, the Heritage Foundation will be fully behind that. Oh, so. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And and, and I think that we'll, uh, we'll certainly track it every step of the way here. But what, a, what an amazing story. And I do have, I should mention to listeners here, we have Chris Elson coming on. Um, he's known as Billboard Chris, and he's traveling. He's in Oklahoma right now because they have big trans issues down there. And he's been talking about this gender ideology. He's going to join us on this particular story coming up at 425. All right, so when I saw the, um, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch the president's speech. I kind of saw the capsules yesterday. I can't sit through any of these. But he talked about the Equality Act, right? And he's trying to get people on board with this. So my question is, and I tried to find this out. I couldn't really find details, which is why I went to you, Emma. What is the Equality Act? And Heritage is against it. I'm guessing I'll be against it when I find out what's inside of it. But what is this all about? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So anytime you're struggling to find out what a bill is actually about, especially when it's on something as large as the question of sex and gender, that should already be a major red flag. Um, Because oftentimes these bills are written incredibly vague, um, and that's intentional because they're trying to sneak a lot in by what they're not saying. The same thing happened with the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act um, last year, um, but also with the Equality Act. So what the Equality Act um, purports to do is that it would provide consistent and explicit non-discrimination protections for anyone who identifies as LGBTQ+. In all areas of life, including employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces and services, federally funded programs, jury service, and what have you. And basically what they're trying to do is take use a federal bill that would then impact every, every single state, every single state law, as well as federal laws, um, and force them into compliance with this idea of non-discrimination for LGBTQ people. Um, The only problem with this, um, and I say that jokingly, is that it doesn't actually, one, talk about what the actual discrimination is that LGBTQ people are facing today. 
Um, but when they say that they don't want them to face non-discrimination, what this means is that it would impact things like employment. So organizations that are faith-based um, would all of a sudden uh, be required to comply with these new definitions of gender that deny that sex is a binary between a man and a woman. It would mean that in public spaces like locker rooms and bathrooms, um, even prisons, that someone who identifies as a man or a woman would automatically have access to that sex's space. So think of all of the horrific stories you've heard of men um, going into women's prisons, men in women's bathrooms, um, the sexual assault, the discomfort, um, and just the lack of respect for well, the Well, right. I think Virginia would be, a you know, exhibit A of what happened yeah. there, you know, a couple of summers ago, right? Absolutely. Yes, exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, these stories are surfacing nearly every week at this point. So so that's effectively what the Equality Act does, is say that there is no such thing as a man and a woman, but there is a gender spectrum. And on that spectrum, it's whatever you identify as based on your own internal sense of gender is what the rest of society, both in public and private settings, has to recognize and comply with, even when that puts the very women and children um, Biden pretends to support actually at the most risk. You know, that's a great point. You, you closed, you wrote a piece about this and I was going to highlight it and you kind of walked me into it here because he, he says, and I played the soundbite, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedom. Uh, what about the kids, right? What about women? That, that's, that's one question there. And, and I, don't, I don't understand how this is something even a majority of Democrats can get behind because most of the Democrats here in this area that I know, they're not behind this stuff. By the way, some of the gay people I know, the older gays, they don't like this stuff. I don't know if you've ever investigated that, but there's a huge disconnect between LG, you know, B and the rest of it. And the older gays think this stuff is nuts on the gender nonsense. Yes. Yes. You are absolutely right. Yes. Um, because once again, um, for people who traditionally would even identify with the LGB, there's still a recognition that there's a difference between the sexes. Um, with this sort of radical transgender movement, that's completely obliterated. And we step into this new space where there's no there's there's no objective reality. There's no distinctive difference. Um, let, me, let me offer an example of that just because I've talked yeah. to some of my gay friends about this. So if you are a uh, let's say that you are a gay man. All right. And uh-huh. you, you prefer a, a male partner, right? If there is a female that has transitioned into becoming a male, and you as a gay, and you can reverse the sexes here if you'd like to, it works both ways, right? If you refuse to be interested in that person uh, sexually, well, that's transphobic. You're, you're deemed in these progressive circles transphobic over that. Right. <laughs> anyway, I right. interrupted, is- but go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It's just ridiculous. But in like another example, so there's kind of five areas that if the Equality Act was passed, which it passed in the House um, last Congress, it failed um, to go further. They're going to keep reintroducing it until it either passes or is decisively um, just killed and removed from our political mind. Um, But the five main areas that are really of concern are one um, having to do with employers and workers. Um, So place policies um, regarding this, what are hiring practices regarding this, um, think even HR offices, like are you required to call someone by the um, pronouns that they choose to go by, even if it goes against your sincerely held beliefs and your understanding of truth and what it means to love another person, to not affirm um, this false reality that they're living in. Um, it, it, it will impact medical professionals. And so the Washington story is a perfect example of this. Um, what would happen is it would coerce and in many cases require doctors 
um, to perform um, mastectomies, um, gender or sex sterilization surgeries by removing healthy reproductive parts. It would require them to um, to prescribe cross-sex hormones. Um, and if not, then they could be liable for anti-discrimination lawsuits or discrimination lawsuits from these individuals. So it puts them at both professional and personal risk. Um, then you have concerns about parents and children. So children through ideologically motivated school administrators and nurses and other parts of um, sort of the online talk tick TikTok society, um, being able to transition children um, behind their parents' backs and not actually respecting parents. And then on top of that, parents even losing custody of their children if they refuse to affirm this new transgender um, or gender diverse identity that they've come up with. Um, and we have cases of that, even with Jeffrey Younger in Texas, um, his wife taking their son and moving to California because she wants to transition him into a little girl, even though the father is adamantly against it and has proof that this is not actually something that his son has struggled with, right? Um, and then, like we've talked about, this harms women when it comes to their safety in intimate spaces across public and private life. And then last, think about nonprofits and volunteers. So a Christian nonprofit or just a traditional nonprofit that doesn't want to affirm this um, false understanding of gender could then lose their funding, lose their tax-exempt status, um, yeah, and, and things, even some right? of their programs could be removed or or um, yeah, just like subject to lawsuits, um, same with their volunteers, if this is passed. So this is a radically far-reaching bill. And, and again, I stress, they can't actually point to any area where they're facing discrimination unless you think that it's discriminatory to not let a man in a woman's bathroom or in a woman's prison, in which case I think a lot of people would be okay discriminating with that because they recognize that some things need to be protected um, and that that's not actually barring them from any opportunities in society. Emma Waters is with me. She's written about this as a heritage scholar. You know, one thing I've said many times in the past, and just <laughs> I say this a little flippantly, but Emma, couldn't, couldn't you say, man, if you're going to try to get something passed in Washington or get the country worked up about something, wouldn't you hire the trans lobby? Because they seem to get everything that they want, at least until now. <laughs> right? I mean, think about where this I've, – I've been doing talk radio now for three decades, and I've been doing radio for four decades. And I've followed a lot of issues relating to, you know – and I've said this before. I was for gay marriage long before Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. But this whole movement has just baffled me. It really – the way that it's come on so strong. And the numbers kind of bear it out. In, in this piece that this, um, this person wrote about Washington University, she talks about, you know, these young girls in particular who have just been mm-hmm. absorbed by this social contagion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everything from technology, even the impact of COVID that puts so many people solely online, disconnected from from interacting with their peers, um, even from a healthy understanding of their physical body, um, increases in obesity that we've seen coming out that further complicate our understanding of the self and how we're meant to interact. Like all of these, both meta level and the very practical things have, have shaped and really pushed um, our culture to this um, fever pitch regarding transgenderism and gender identity. And thankfully, we're seeing it break in a lot of places, like with this leaked story at Washington University or with state-level bills. Um, But we're certainly far from winning this battle, especially when it comes to the political messaging. Yeah, and I think think this is is the type of moment here in St. Louis with this whistleblower that may be able to turn the tide a little bit. And and I think that's our hope, Emma. So thank you um, for coming on here and writing about this. And you keep on them at Heritage, all right? 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. That's Emma Waters with Heritage. We'll continue with, with a little bit of the theme from the whistleblower in the next hour. Uh, Chris Elston will join me. He's been very active on this, traveling the countries in Oklahoma where they have a lot of trans issues before legislators. Uh, my friend Batya Unger-Sargon will be here. She was on Gutfeld last night. She's the deputy opinion editor of Newsweek, and she's written a book called Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. Batya joins us at 5.07. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. A Tarasenko was traded to the Rangers today by the Blues. Frank Cusimano after the top of the hour before a Sulis news. Fred's going to handle that this afternoon. Sue's out for a few days. Chris Elston, I mentioned, he is traveling the whole country taking a stand against gender ideology and some of this stuff. And it's um, Chris who put this on my radar. I don't even think I follow him, but somehow somebody I was following had his tweet where he blasted out this story about the whistleblower at Wash U. So he's going to join us at 425. Um, the Show Me Institute has done a great job recently, if you follow them on Twitter, which I do, of just putting out a bunch of different figures for how much local school districts are spending or have spent on, for example, some of the things related to the pandemic and uh, a variety of things that I think would be somewhat stunning to people if they follow that. But we'll have Susan Pendergrass, who's the Director of Education Policy at the Show Me Institute on at 445. Uh, Batya Unger-Sargon, who is the Deputy Opinion Editor at Newsweek, will join us at 507. Dean Plocker, the um, Speaker of the House from Missouri, will join us at 525. And we have an audio cut of the day at 545 here on 97.1 FM Talk. So... The president sat down, he doesn't do this very often, sat down with Judy, Judy Woodruff from the PBS NewsHour and did a wide-ranging interview on a variety of topics. And one of them that came up, I'm going to kind of run you through some of these sound bites here, was, Joe, can you really run in 2024? You're pretty darn old. You'd be 82 
date of the next election, 86, if you're successful and elected and finish that term, does it give you any concern? Watch me. <laughs> That's all I can say. I would be completely thoroughly honest with the American people if I thought there was any health problem, anything that would keep me from being able to do the job. And, uh, and so uh, well, we'll see. It sounds like you're running. I've made that decision. That's my intention, I think, but I've made that decision firmly yet. Well, allow me to do Judy's job for her because she didn't do it there. The, uh, the obvious follow-up question for the president is, you say, Mr. President, watch me. Uh, but unfortunately, we did watch you a couple of nights ago, and this is what happened. And congratulations to Chuck Schumer. Another, uh, you know, another term as Senate Minority Leader. Uh, you know, I think you, uh, only this time you have a slightly bigger majority, Mr. Leader, and you're the majority leader. About that much bigger? Okay. Watch me? We did. We see this on a regular basis. You're you're not fit for office. You're not fit for office now. You certainly won't be in um, two years um, on the balloon. Have relations now between the U.S. and China taken a big hit? No. Frankly? The idea of shooting down a balloon that's gathering information over America um, and uh, is and that break that t- makes relations worse. Look, I made it real clear to Xi Jinping that uh, we're going to compete fully with China, but we're not going to look, we're not looking for conflict. This man has enormous problems, enormous. He has also great potential. I I want you to, I got to play that one again. All right. He just said, watch me, right? I honestly don't think he understood the question. Have relations now between the U.S. and China taken a big hit? No. The idea shooting down a balloon that's gathering information over America um, and uh, is and that break that t- makes relations worse. Uh, what? I mean, honestly, God, you don't even know what he's saying. What about on uh, the confidential documents? The kinds of things they picked up were things that from 1974 and stray papers. You said just possessing classified documents is, you said, totally irresponsible. So. What was totally irresponsible about the fact that you had some? What was not done well is as they packed up my offices to move them, they didn't do the kind of job that should have been done to go thoroughly through every single piece of literature. Okay, so deflecting there. What about on your son, Mr. President? The things Republicans say is a priority for them is investigating your family. The public's not going to pay attention to that. They, They want these guys to do something. If the only thing they can do is make up things about my family, it's not going to go very far. Make up things about your family. And he doesn't think he told her he doesn't really think that people are paying attention to that. But I think he's miscalculated because now that it is getting some legacy media, mainstream media attention, I think people are paying attention to it. And he's not being honest. Here's the problem with um, with interviews like this. And, and it happens on a regular basis. And by the way, it happens on both sides. All right. So let's just be honest about that. There is no and we've, we've come to find that there is no journalism in this country. The only journalism that exists is on Substack. It does not exist in your local paper. Certainly doesn't exist in your local paper. Doesn't exist at the New York Times, the Washington Post. Now, does that mean that there are no stories from those sources that are worthy? I use some of their stories, right? But there's no true journalism happening on the uh, the national stage when it comes to asking questions. So there are all kinds of follow-up questions to that that Judy Woodruff just doesn't make. 
on Medicare and Social Security. When I pointed out that um, some Republicans are talking about eliminating Medicare, they said, no, no, no. I said, oh, okay. That means all of you are for supporting Medicare. Everybody raise your hand. They all raise their hand. So guess what? We accomplished something. There's this case that's being made that he somehow pinned Republicans into a corner on that particular topic. Uh, Now, I'm not for ending Medicare or Social Security. And keep in mind, for those people listening, any talk of trying to make sure that Social Security is solvent for the children that I have who are 26 and 23 and 8, although they all turn those ages here in the next couple of months, that they will have Social Security. If you're over 50 or 52 in particular, nothing Nothing they do in Washington is going to affect your benefits. Okay, so people need to calm down on that. And the Democrats love to lie about these things. They really do. The problem is, is that Medicare and Social Security are out of control. And the people like Senator Scott or Mike Lee that have talked about it, I don't know if I agree with with Mike Lee in particular because he's talked about maybe a different system or getting rid of it altogether. I'd love for there to be an opportunity with Social Security in particular for those of us who want to make our own decisions with where we invest our money that we're allowed to do that. But the, the folks in Washington and the powers that be don't want to do that. Uh, but look, th- the bottom line is nobody can argue, and I don't think the president can, well, I know the president can't do this if he was asked. They can't They can't say that there are no real issues with the solvency of Social Security and that Medicare in particular is busting the federal budget. This is where the money, the majority of the money that we send to Washington goes, to these, um, to these programs. And look, we all paid into Social Security. I'm not saying we don't get our benefits back, but there has to be money there in the long run. Or maybe not. You just print money, right? That's what we do these days. We're going to have to bury you. More at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 